0: City Paranormal. This is Woody Watts with Hill City Paranormal, and I am always up for a good story. And one of the best storytellers I know, period, is my father-in-law. He has told some spine-chilling tales in his day. So one day my wife was up there with her iPhone and she said, Dad, tell me some stories. And did he ever? So today's episode, I am taking all the stories from that day and we're calling them The Glen Files. You gotta go back into the setting. The setting is a, uh, um, three-bedroom house and this little hallway leads to the door daddy was gone coon hunting and um, there was a noise at the door and so mama thought well this might be daddy coming home and when she got to the door to open it this claw came in the door and this door is six foot tall The white claws and white fur come into the door, and Mama is pushing against the door to close it. And all of us kids were screaming and hollering, you know. um, Even uh, Edith and Betty, our two sisters, were helping Mama push against the door. And I remember the claw scraping down the door, and when it got to the door latch, which was metal, it actually cut the hand of whatever it was and ejected back, and that's when she was able to close the door. And what was, I remember was, there was four claw marks, oh, at least a quarter of an inch deep in the inside of the door where it was pulling down on. Mm. and um, we all gathered back once mama was able to close the door Um, and it wasn't about maybe 10-15 minutes later daddy came home and uh, he noticed his coon dogs were raising cane outside because they were smelling something they shouldn't have been there and daddy was remember raising hell at the dogs to be quiet do this this that and the other and he came in the house and we were all in one room and mama was telling him what happened and daddy he didn't believe it at first until she said let me show you this and then that's when we walked to the door and there's some claw marks coming down the door and said my god I don't know what could have done that and uh, we don't even know what it was but it was seven kids and mama pushing against the door and uh, we were barely able to hold it closed enough to wear and it didn't when it cut its hand cut its claw whatever it was when that you know the old house has them old metal door latches that's on the inside and you lock it with a skeleton key and uh so that was uh proof enough and and that was one of my uh earlier memories but uh with daddy being a a sharecropper we always lived in old dilapidated homes um so i mean you know when you got newspaper being put on the walls (laughs) to uh, um, keep the snow from blowing in the house. I laugh at it now, but um, such good memories of um, five of us sleeping in one bed, three pointed one direction, two pointed in the others. So you slept with somebody's foot right up against your head. But that was, that was all of us kids, though. Um, but the, um, I wish I could remember all of the other stories. That's where when you get a chance to get all the brothers talking at one time, uh, then that triggers memories. Ronnie and I were coming back from a, a football game. And where we lived that over on the old Anderson Plantation, um, the hot surface stopped one mile before you get to the house, because the road was a dirt road, and the uh, guys that had cars back at that time didn't want to drive down that dirt road uh, to uh, get their car dirty. Yeah. So, um, Running, now it's about oh, 11 o'clock at night and uh, somewhat of a uh, uh, full moon, but not quite. Uh, it was enough light there to where you could see, you know, in front of you while walking down the road. And as the uh, road goes down a hill, crosses a creek, and then it runs along the creek, and then it goes up the hill to the house. So you can guesstimate uh from the mailbox to the creek is about a half a mile and then from the creek along the road going up the hill to the house is another half a mile so ronnie and i were just carrying on all kind of crazy stuff talking about the football game we just played and um and we were talking also at the same time about uh how sorry it was people wouldn't give us a ride, you know, that we had to walk. And, see, Daddy never supported any of us boys playing sports. Your job was to do chores on the farm. So if you played sports, you were on your own as far as transportation. But anyhow, to get back to the story, um, we, Ronnie and I, were about, oh, 100 yards from the creek. Where the bridge crosses, and then this bottom, uh, it's nothing but brush, nothing but you know shallow trees, small trees, um, and we we could hear the water running in the creek, but we also heard something cross the creek. Ronnie um, looked over at me, and I said, uh, "Bo, would you hear that?" And with his nickname is BoJack. Um, so Ronnie said, yeah, I heard that, too. And uh, you got to know that um, uh, my brother Ronnie uh, had set the state record in the 440. <laughs> he could flathead <clears throat> ply. I mean, that boy could run. <laughs> when I remember him saying, he looked over at me he said, uh, and said, Glenn, I think it's about time we get them moving, cause whatever that is, is getting closer to us. So we took off at a trot. A pretty good trot. And but he kept getting louder and louder behind us. And we kept I looked over my shoulder and all I could see was two red eyes. And um <laughs> I told Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, we got to go, boy. And, anyway, to make a long story short, uh, when we made the turn, um, which was about a quarter of a mile from the house, I remember kicking rocks uh, on Ronnie, because I was out running <laughs> And by the time we got, ooh, Halfway up the hill, well, maybe uh, 200 yards from the house, I remember Ronnie grabbing my hand. And he was literally pulling me at that time because whatever it was had come mighty close to him because he was behind me. And well, it was just pure adrenaline then. It was I only wish they could have uh, put a stopwatch on us running on that rocky gravel road and how fast we went up that hill. And when there was about eight steps going up from the yard up the steps into the porch, and it's a concrete steps. It has a screen door on it. I remember reaching for the handle of the screen door opening the screen door, diving into the porch, Ronnie dove in on top of me. And whatever it was, broke the screen door, slammed into the screen door right behind Ronnie. Uh, We had made such a commotion about 11.30 that night when it was that Daddy got out of bed, and threatened to beat us to death if we didn't stop all of that noise and we was telling daddy what was going on and daddy said yeah um, I don't know what it is out there but he says I've already lost two calves Oh, there's many stories about um, living on that farm over there. Um, we had, uh, we were all going to bed that night and uh, uh, it's, like I say, there's three beds in this bedroom. And uh, each one of us um, like were assigned to they Ronnie and Preston would sleep in this bed, and Robert and Leroy sleep in that bed. And the little, our little baby uh, 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 brother would sleep uh, in his bed along with the two cousins that were uh, living with us at the time. And old two-story uh, farmhouse. And the bed that Robert and Leroy and them were sleeping in was at the window. And Brother Robert, he looked out the window and saw this, whatever it was, uh, creature um, walking around the car. And the reason we know that our little dogs were cowering up under the car, barking at it. And this thing was stalking the dogs. And um, it was, um, well, to make the story uh, true, um, Robert called in there and told Mom and Daddy, who was sleeping in their bedroom, and said, uh, "Daddy, I'm gonna be shooting out the window at this thing that's out there that's trying to kill our dogs." And I heard, uh, I remember Daddy saying, "Yeah, go ahead." And unbeknownst to us, the gun. The rifle that uh, Robert had was a .30-30. We thought he was gonna be shooting a twenty-two or something. Well, anyway, well, he raised the window, stuck the gun out the window, and shot this thing. And that was all, and the dogs quieting down, everything, but we didn't go out there because it was dark. Well, the next morning, when Daddy got up, Go to do his chores on the farm and getting the rest of us up for us to do our chores. Well, this thing was dead, laying beside the car, and oh, it stunk to high heaven. And so, um, Daddy said, "I don't even know if that's a dog." Said, "Look at the tush on this thing. It's unreal." Said, um, "It's got the biggest canine teeth I've ever seen." So he called the game warden and the game warden came by and the game warden, I remember talking to we heard him over talking to daddy. He said, this animal, I've never seen it before, said, it's bigger than a dog. Uh, it's actually bigger than a wolf. Mm. Said, but we can't understand what the smell is coming off of this animal. And they took and said, well, what we need to do is to get uh, some university or somebody to come in here to study this animal. And, um, well, the game warden took the animal. And we don't know to this day what it was. They never did report it. We never heard anything else. But um, what it started was pretty much an epidemic of stray dogs uh, getting together, wild dogs getting together. And the main uh, pack leader um, of this, these animals was an Airedale, big old shaggy haired Airedale. And uh, we ended up, had, at one time, we had uh, a gang of at least eight to 10 wild dogs, that was killing any animal that came on that property over there. They killed calves. Uh, we had one guy bring in four beagles that was doing some rabbit hunting. A gang of dogs killed all of his beagles while he was hunting. Uh, they actually chased Daddy uh, up on the hay wagon when he was feeding the cows because he had the tractor and a, and a trailer. That he was pulling the, the hay where he fed the cows. They had him pinned up on the um, trailer, this Airedale. They, they uh, also, I built what they call an old Batmobile. It was a 53 DeSoto that <laughs> I cut, and uh, it was nothing but a frame, a little bit of a firewall, in the engine, and the radiator. And everything else was just wide open with an old bench seat in it. And they caught me down in the lower bottom. One day, started surrounding my old car, which is wide open. And the tail end of the car is so light, it couldn't get much traction because all the tires would just spin. And the only way I kept from being eaten alive by these dogs was I did figure eights with the old car. Kept spinning around and around doing donuts and trying to get a figure eight until I could get the car straight, straight enough and get on dry enough ground to drive away. And I finally um, was able to escape them. I did get some traction and I got away from them. And uh, well, another to make a long story short is I ended up killing uh, eight wild dogs uh, on my own, which I'd come in from school in the afternoon and I'd go down to the barn and sit up in the barn and wait for them dogs to come out and uh, I ended up killing eight of them. Uh, uh, Daddy killed one with a pitchfork because it attacked him when he was trying to load the uh, 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 hay up to go feed the calves. And so, um, uh, yeah, we all uh, were real concerned about uh, wild dogs, but all of these wild dogs came into being after we would killed this animal mm. that looked, uh, it actually looked like um, uh, like a wolf with wild boar teeth. Mm. If you can imagine tushes coming up like a wild boar out of a dog's mouth. Um, one vicious looking animal. And um, so, I mean, what was um, weird about that? I wish we'd have uh, found out what that animal was, what crossbreed or what hybrid type of animal that uh, was. But uh, but uh, that should be documented somewhere uh, back there. And all of this happened in uh, 1959 and 1960 that era when we lived on the farm over there. Mm. Uh, living on the same farm house, it was, uh, Ron and I were there at the house at night, and uh, we were doing our homework, and the way this living room that we lived in, or the dining room rather, uh, Daddy always had the shotguns on deer feet. Uh, going up with uh, the wall there and he hung the shotguns up on and all of us, you know, took turns using them. Well, I had, um, I was facing the side door, Ronnie was in front of me, we were both doing our homework and I looked over Ronnie's shoulder and I saw the doorknob turn. It was turning and I took and told old Ronnie I said, um, Ronnie, I said, somebody's at the door. And um, he said, what are you talking about? I said, yep, but the door knob's turning. And I well, you could look through the window and you could see all the shotguns hanging on the wall, which was right behind me. And I said, Ronnie, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. I said, but it's still trying to turn. So I, re- I got up and reached and got dead as... Um, pump shotgun. I always kept shells in the uh, loading magazine but none, none in the chamber. Well I ratcheted one in the chamber. When I ratcheted in the chamber somebody kicked the door and I drew the gun down. Ronnie jumped to one side and I heard it take off after, because it couldn't break down the door. I told Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, you open the door. Ronnie ran over unlocked it, opened the door, and I saw a shadow running off of the porch through the yard. And as a dumb kid would do, uh, I shot at it. And didn't know if I hit it or not. Um... But what I do know, there was a four string barbed wire fence out there. Whatever it was ran through four strands of barbed wire fence. Um, and I called hell because I shot at something when I shouldn't have. And um, I'm just thankful that I didn't kill it or whatever. But whatever it was, I scared it enough to where it ran through a four-strand barbed wire fence. And you have to know that the prison camp, Camp 9, is just about a half a mile from the farm. And to this day, I think it was probably a convict who had escaped from Camp 9 and was looking for a way to get some kind of weapons. Uh, to use to uh, whatever but that was a um, weird day and a weird night well the uh, president and I uh, we had went to uh, Fairfax Virginia up through Culpeper, Luray, uh, I mean, uh, uh, what's the town outside of? Uh, Manassas? Of Warrington. That's Warrington, a, yeah. We went through Culpeper, Warrington, into, but we were coming back and it was approximately 11.30 at night. We passed through Warrington into Culpeper and we were on 29, Uh in the farm area. It was nothing but these big farms along 29 south of uh, Culpeper. And this bright light was off to our right. And I told Preston, who was driving, I said, Wonder where in the world is that bright light coming from or what is it? And Preston said, Oh gosh, I don't know, it's got to be some kind of A street light or whatever, a bomb light. Uh, But the light kept getting closer and closer. It got approximately uh, 50 yards from us. And it was like looking into the headlights of a train. That's how bright it was. The car cut off. -uh. Everything shut off because I looked over to Preston I said, Preston, let's get out of here and he said the car is dead I can't, it will not the car is is shut off we are just drifting and then everything went into amnesia Mm. you can't remember anything only thing I remember is being flooded uh, with this bright light Mm. then All of a sudden, the bright light disappeared. I came back to consciousness, so did Preston. The car started back up on its own, and we went on down the road. And I remember talking to Preston, I said, what was that? He said, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And I, to this day, we don't know how long we were in that uh, suspended animation. Mm Don't know for whatever reason, but what I do remember is the car starting back up, the headlights came back on, and as if we were never stopped, the car was still rolling. And um, I've heard other stories similar to that, but what is so weird about it is I remember the light, and I remember the car cutting off, but any of the time frame in between is not there, but the memory of the light coming on and going away is, is the only solid memory I have without thinking myself, you know, am I making this up? And no, this actually happened. Uh, it was weird. We were in, uh, I think we were in Preston's uh, Barracuda, I remember uh, that yeah, the green mm. Barracuda car. Yep, I remember that. So I that um, uh, that is what is it, 50 or 47 years ago? And it's just like it happened yesterday. Be sure to check out our website at hillcityparanormal.com and call our haunted hotline. 701 Haunted or 701 428 6833 with your spooky tale. Thank you for listening to Hill City Paranormal.